you know, it's not just letting two dogs mate and you feed the puppies a couple times a day and you play with them. Those are, those are the easy parts. I was not prepared for what breeding would do for me as a person. It's been challenging enough as it is. So I can't imagine going into this experience completely blind. Welcome to the Breeder Tales. I'm your host, Liza Moon, and this is the podcast where dog breeders have unscripted conversations about things that actually matter to us. I'm so tired of being told what's important to me. Like, let's talk about things that keep me up at night. Every month, I'll bring you real conversations with real dog breeders just like you and I. I will bring you the industry experts and special guests that you want to hear from. It's time for somebody in this industry to start shaking things up a little bit, and I am here for it. How about you? Today, you're going to hear from three different dog breeders. Y'all, this episode has it all. First, we'll speak with G. Kalsa of Midwifery. G brings a lifetime of dog breeding experience and perspective to our conversations today and encourages new breeders to seek education first. Then we'll hear from Danielle Toma of Shady Lane Doodles, who started breeding in 2021. Danielle urges new breeders to seek community before they begin breeding. Finally, we talk with Cecilia, a friend of mine who decided this year to breed her pet. New breeders, listen up. My chat with Cecilia is pretty eye-opening and may just be the very best real-life perspective you could hope to receive when it comes to hearing from someone that just raised a litter for the first time. So let's dive right into my chat with G. So to start with, can you give us a very brief overview of you and your experience as a dog breeder, how you got started in the industry, and just a, a quick introduction? Sure. So I'm going to blame it all on my mother. My mother made me do it. Um, she was a dog breeder. She started off breeding poodles and then got into working dogs. And, you know, I just got sucked in. Um, so I've been, I started off as a trainer probably 35 years ago and then eventually um, got into breeding. But I learned from my mother and a lot of other people, a lot of other trainers around the world. I traveled all over. It was really fun. How are you reaching? the type of pet buyers that you wish to cater to? So like a lot of other people, I started off on social media um, and I decided when Facebook started deplatforming breeders um, a number of years ago that I I didn't want to be dependent on them. So I worked really hard on my website and on SEO and other things like that. And now I reach about um, 40% of people from my website from, you know, organic or direct searches online um, about 40% are repeats or referrals. We have some extended families with like four or five or six of our dogs um, in them, you know, not in a single household, but in the extended right. family. And then about 10% is from everything else put together. Wow. That's amazing. And I know firsthand how much work goes into building, maintaining, nurturing mm-hmm. a website and SEO. And that is absolutely huge and very impressive. With these buyers um what kind of trends are you seeing in their decision making and spending habits when it comes to not only finding a breeder but committing to a breeder and then following through with a purchase um what are you seeing that's different uh now versus maybe four or five years ago let's you know pre-pandemic so i do see that um there are more buyers expecting breeders to up their game which is great you know, I think that that during quarantine, prices went up and went crazy. And so I do think there are pe- people are more likely to price shop now, but they are expecting for a, a better bred dog and a better raised dog to, to actually pay for it, as opposed to earlier, the, people didn't understand that we could prepare a dog as well as we can, a puppy as well as we can. Um, and so it was harder for them to to want to pay for it. I agree with you that buyers are totally ex- expecting breeders to up their game. So we have all seen some changes in the puppy buying market since the start of the pandemic. 
um, primarily a lot of new breeders um, entering the market. It might be something uncomfortable to talk about, but I kind of want to touch on that because um, I think it's a big, it's a big underlying top. It's like the elephant in the room, right? You know, I'm a breeder, you're a breeder, I'm team breeder. I don't like talking negatively about my fellow breeders. Right. So, you know so I think, I think there are breeders like us who do it because we love it and have been able to make a living out of it, which is okay. Um, you know, we, we, we send, we, okay, I'm going to get on a soapbox a little bit. Um, for some reason, there's a stigma against making money as a breeder. And there, there's no other, no other job or industry where there's the same thing. We send our kids to, to schools and to all kinds of professionals. And we allow those people to make money. We allow other pet professionals to make money. But for some reason, and I think this stems from the Victorian times when, you know, only the, the rich and the elite were breeding dogs. Um, you know, for the dog fancy, and we haven't let go of that. Um, and, and there's a disconnect that we can, we can breed dogs responsibly and make money. We can, because I know a lot of people who do it. Um, we're doing it. And you, yes, <laughs> we're doing it right now. Yes. Yes. But it is, mm -hmm. it's, it's a full-time job that, you know, breeders don't have customer service, uh, representatives and right. it's just me. It's yeah. just, yes. And it's, so there are. There are some larger programs and there are people who think that larger programs can't do things right. Um, a lot of them don't, but it's totally possible because I know of several that do things beautifully. Um, you know, high quality, everything that I would want if I had a large program. But for the, for the vast majority of programs, we are home breeders. Um, and we are one woman shows, sometimes one man shows. Um, it's mostly a women's profession. Um, and some people have kids that help them, but you know, you also have to take care of your kids. So it's a double-edged sword there. But what we have to do is we have to raise our puppies. If you're raising your puppies, right, there are a lot of sleepless nights and I'm talking not just one here or there, I'm talking weeks at a time. Um, there's a lot of stress, the stress of having, uh, of breeding. There's a lot of breeding stress before you even breed your dog, you know, doing an AI is very stressful if you're shipping, um, there's the stress about whelping, you know, what happens if there's a problem? It's very scary because these are dogs that you love. So, and, you know, and then the puppies are, are you know, you, you, you have risk with the puppies. There's the stress of placing them. You've also got to be, be know about business. You've got to know about accounting. You've got to know about marketing. You have to know how to put together a website, how to do SEO, how to stay safe on social media. Um, you know, you've got to worry about strangers coming to your house and who are there. There was just a breeder on the East coast that got killed. I mean, there, there are so many things that you have to be to be a breeder. And I'm telling this both to the puppy seekers and to um, new breeders. You don't know what you're getting into. I promise. No, no. And I'm just over here laughing to myself because you're stressing me out. I'm just, sorry. <laughs> and I've been doing it. I've been doing it for 10 years and sitting here and I'm doing it right now, you know, but sitting here hearing you list it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, how does anyone do this? But we do it because we love it. List. Okay. I'm going to add to the list. Most okay. businesses, most businesses can get insurance. It's very hard to find insurance for our business. You cannot get insurance for a lost litter. You, you, you know, you cannot get insurance. On, it's very hard to find insurance. Um, it's very hard to, to actually make sound business decisions because I was talking, I, I'll give you an example. I was talking to my uncle who ran a public company um, about my business. And he said, honey, you've got to know what your cash flow is. You, you know, if you're a business person, you got to know your cash flow. And I explained to him, I cannot predict my cash flow because I don't know when the girls are cycling. I don't know if they're going to take, I don't know how many puppies I'm going to have. I cannot, you know, you can't do normal business things. It's, you know, we're in a very difficult business and we're doing it all by ourselves. This has been um, an amazing conversation. I have one more question for you before okay. I let you go. What advice do you have for newer breeders that entered the industry during or shortly after the pandemic or they're entering the industry now and, and it, you know, they're breeders that, that we want in the industry. They care about what they're okay. doing. They just so happen to be entering in to the industry now. What advice do you have yeah. for them? First, I say, God bless you. Good luck. It's really <laughs> rough right now. Um, after that, I would say there are a couple of things. The first is if you can find a mentor, if possible, work with another breeder before breeding yourself and, and attending whelpings and seeing how puppies are raised so you really understand what it entails. And if you can't do that, at least find a virtual mentor. 
do not cut corners. People, we, we will give advice as experienced breeders and people will say, eh, um, and then not take our advice or not take it fully. And I promise it will bite you in your butt. Okay. Do not cut corners. Um, it just doesn't work. Know what you're getting in terms of time, expense, and emotional burden. Um, 99% of newbies greatly underestimate this. And I am being generous with the 99%. Um, you know, it's not just letting two dogs mate and you feed the puppies a couple times a day and you play with them. Those are, those are the easy parts. And there's like a thousand times more to it. Um, be aware that right now it's really hard to place puppies. And if you see somebody, you know, getting three, $4,000 for a puppy and they've been around for a while, no matter what you do, if you produce your puppies the exact same way, you are not going to get that same price point because those breeders are established. They have websites, they have followings, they have repeat customers. So, you know, you want to, you want to expect less than half of what an experienced breeder is getting. And even then you'll, that's gracious. Okay. It's very hard to place puppies. Um, you have to have a good marketing machine. You have to be established. We talked about that. And then lastly, but not leastly at all, is get as much education as possible. You need education. I don't care what you think you know. I don't care if your aunt bred, bred um, Pomeranians when you were six. You don't know the way things are now. Um, I started breeding 30 years ago and everything is so different. And if I took my, my young self from 30 years ago and put it out today, I would be the worst breeder out there because what we knew and what we did back then was so different. That, that <laughs> was amazing. Thank you. And would you be willing to share not only your, um, educational programs, but maybe a, a couple of your other favorite recommendations for listeners? Sure. Absolutely. So, so my website is midwifery, um, and I try to produce as much evidence-based information as I can. So um, I have courses on a lot of um, husbandry issues, some basics for new breeders, actually showing you whelping and what to expect, all the way through embryology and all kinds of other things. And then there are other sites. I love um, puppy culture. It's a, it was, it's a great foundation for, for if you want to raise puppies with enhanced socialization and enrichment. There's um, Linda Case, the science dog. It's mostly nutrition, but she's got some really good information there. Um, Myra Harris-Savant has some really, she was a, um, an obstetrics nurse who's also a breeder, been breeding for a lot longer than I have. She's got some great information for emergency care and things like that. And I'm sure, and I hope I'm not forgetting somebody that I'm going to be really um, embarrassed about, but those are just some of, some of the ones that are coming to top of mind. Thank you. No, that's a great place for a, a newer breeder that's listening or someone like me that has been in the game for a little while, but wants to start um, just just do a refresh and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just look at some new stuff that that's a those are all great places to start. So I appreciate. That. Oh, I, I forgot one important one. Um, the Functional Dog Collaborative is also really a great place. Um, and of course, Telltale is working to bring um, free resources to breeders. Um, we have a pretty good collection in our resource mm -hmm. library right now. And actually, some of our Absolutely. content was graciously um, shared by you. So we have mm -hmm. some of these content in our resource library, but we're constantly growing that resource library. We take contributions from other breeders. Um, we write, our team writes some of the content ourselves, but actually most of the content is contributions from other breeders. So we've got different mm -hmm. perspectives um, in that resource library, but thank you so, so much for the conversation. It was really fun. Thank you for having me. Now let's hear from Danielle, a newer breeder that just started breeding a couple of years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience as a dog breeder? Well, a little bit about me. Um, we live in a multi-generational setting. So my parents live with us. I have four kids and five dogs. <laughs> so it's a very busy household. Our children are homeschooled. So everybody is here all day, every day. Um, so we're, we're pretty active. Um, as far as how I got into breeding, Kind of an unusual situation. Um, and first of all, I have not been breeding very long at all. So this is all still very new for me. We live in central Florida and my daughter has a friend that was living um, on the other side of the state. And they had a couple golden doodles that they had purchased with the intent to breed. And they ended up with some um, health issues and having to move and needed to rehome the dogs. We've always been dog family, love dogs, have always talked about 
uh, breeding and the um, opportunity just never presented itself until her friend said, hey, <laughs> we need to rehome these dogs. Are you interested? And we just kind of said, sure, why not? And um, that was a major crash course in breeding because I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. So we had these dogs that we acquired. We were told they were ready to breed right away. So we got them in April. She went into heat in May and that was our first litter. <laughs> So um, I spent hours upon hours researching, asking questions. Um, my next door neighbor is also a breeder. So that just happened to work out really, really well for me. She was very generous with her time and her information. Um, and then all of the midwifery courses, those were like a lifeline for me. I cannot tell you how much I learned from her. Um, and so I just... When I do something, it's typically all or nothing. So I dove all in and just learned everything that I could. And I found out that I really, really love it. And that's kind of where we are now. Wow, that's amazing. So it literally was a crash course. Hey, do you want these dogs? And yeah. by the way, we got them for breeding and they're ready to go. That's yeah. pretty cool. So when you when you committed to taking these dogs in this rehome situation, you... Um, you had the intention of breeding them. It wasn't like an accident or, or anything like that. You took them with the intention of, hey, I'm going to try this. So you started breeding in 2021. Is that correct? Yes. Now that I'm thinking about the timeline you've described, do you think that the that these two um, dogs that you got when they were purchased as puppies, um, they were purchased during the pandemic? Is that right? Were they purchased in 2020? Yeah. So yes, they would have been. Yep. That's interesting. So do you think, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that the breeder that bought them was seeing an opportunity? Do you think it was something they had planned on doing for a long time? What are your, what are your opinions? It was, um, it, it was an interesting situation without going into too many details. They were not prepared for what they were getting into. Um, it was a, oh, here's, here's a quick money opportunity. So the dogs had had no genetic testing, no lineage, no, no nothing. Uh, they were literally just, hey, these are two unrelated dogs. Let's, let's just sell a bunch of puppies. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was definitely like, I, I didn't know what I was getting into either. But um, for me, it wasn't so much a quick money idea as it was, I really want to do everything the best way possible. I want to learn how to do this right and ethically and build a solid reputation. Yeah, for sure. And, and so you, you know, the difference between you and that person, for example, is you, um, you saw an opportunity, but you went about it in the right way. Right. Um, so, and, and you mentioned that the dogs, they hadn't had any testing yet, but they were ready to breed right away. Right. Um, is that what, what, what is, the first thing you did when you got the dogs? I mean, I know you mentioned you um, took some courses, which is amazing. Um, but what was like, what was going through your mind? Did you even know where to start? I mean, what? No, I didn't. The first thing we did um, was we house broke them. We taught them how to live inside with a family. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So they weren't even really living in a, in a home. No. Okay. And they've turned out to be some incredible pets. And um, our female is an amazing mother. And the puppies that these two have produced are incredible. Um, everyone has been very, very happy. The vets in the area and the groomers in the area like what they're producing. And that just thrills me. I love seeing happy families and happy, honestly, happy professionals. That really means a lot to me. Yeah, that's a good call out actually, um, seeing and hearing from happy professionals because that's a huge compliment um, when a vet or a groomer um, compliments a puppy or, or dog that you've produced. That's for me at, at least, and I think for other breeders too, that's a huge, right. huge compliment because all they do is see 
dogs and puppies all day, every day, Correct. right? So they see everything. So for them to, to offer a compliment is huge. You know, I took the puppy culture class and I try to implement as much as I'm able to there. And I, I really feel very strongly that it is on the breeder's shoulders to prepare a litter of puppies for their families and for their future life. So we, we follow um, the socialization protocols as much as we're able to. Some of that is outside of my control as a breeder. I can't dictate what an owner's going to do once the puppy leaves my facility. But I believe that I have to give that puppy the very best foundation. And I also have to equip that owner with as much information as possible. So at the end of the day, if a puppy ends up in a home where he's not doing well, it's not the puppy's fault and it's not my fault. I, I agree with you that it's up to the breeder to communicate that to buyers and prepare them for that. Um, so that's that's great. Describe what you see right now with the, the puppy market in general. Well, I'm, I'm seeing... Um, I'm seeing people who are at this point willing to pay a little bit more because they have been scammed or almost scammed. And I'm seeing a much more educated buyer, um, even in the short time that I've been doing it. Um, so I've already dealt with a fair number of people who have been all out scammed or um have been almost scammed and they caught it or a friend caught it um just on this litter now i have a young lady who was ready to put up a deposit down and her friend said hang on hang on something's not right here and she helped her really dig and research and saved her from losing out a lot of money um and so i'm seeing a better educated buyer. I'm seeing buyers who are a little bit slower to maybe jump on something and to do their research and to have those conversations. I have a lot of people come out to my house to see that. Yes, I do have dogs. Um, I'm not just swiping pictures off the internet. Um, and I think, I think there will always be that base of people who are looking for a legitimate product and are willing to do their research and, um, and, and to, to do what it takes to find that not to put puppies in the category of say a product per se, but there is that business aspect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a breeding program, um, is a business and the puppy is the product of that business. So, uh, you know, you and I know very well that we don't, view or treat our puppies like <laughs> products. Um, so that's interesting. I agree with you. I'm seeing the same trend in buyers being more educated on um, what they should be expecting from a breeder. And so what I mean by that is I'm seeing that buyers understand the the narrative, the current narrative that breeders need to be health testing, they need to be socializing the puppies, um, you know, they need to be raising them in a family friendly environment, things like that. I'm seeing, I'm still seeing disconnect um, with buyers in how do they, how do they get that information from a breeder? How do they prove that a breeder is doing those things? And so it's very interesting for me because it's exciting that buyers are more educated, but it's still frustrating that it's it seems like it's very hard for them to verify that information, to, to prove that a breeder is socializing their puppies, to prove that a breeder is actually health testing their dogs. Um, I think that's going to be the next that's kind of the next battle that we're facing, right? We've, we've finally have buyers in a place where they understand what they're, what they should be looking for. Um, and I think the, the struggle that I've seen is, okay, we, we know what we want. How do we find it? (laughs) (laughs) How do we prove that it, that this breeder, you know, is actually doing these things. And, um, so you also called out something else that, 
I've also seen, but you know, never quite put my finger on it. Buyers are, they're slow. They've slowed down. So it's not just a necessarily a market slowdown. You know, there's still demand, but there's been a bit of a market glut. And then I think you hit the nail on the head with buyers being slower. So the buyers are still there, but, um, but they're jaded and they're scared. Right. right. And so they're just, they're slower um, to make a purchase where for for a few years there, we saw buyers deciding in one day that they wanted a puppy, go, going and finding a puppy, buying it, bringing it home all within a couple days or a week's time. It's not really a bad thing that buyers have slowed down. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, no, I, I perceive it as a good thing in the sense that it's not as impulsive as it was. Um, and I, I think that's helping people to um, do their research, not just on, on the, you know, what breed they want, or, you know, if they're ready for a puppy or whatever, but also on, okay, now we've settled on this breed. What breeding program do I, do I feel comfortable with? And, um, you know, you, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about, um, you know, how do we prove that we're doing all the things right. Um, and I don't know how other people are doing it, but, um, for myself, um, we are trying to be fairly transparent with um, our social media content. So my daughter's kind of had that up for me. Um, but we we video um, doing the the socialization protocols, the 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 um, grooming protocols, all those things. And you know, the girls will put it up on say Instagram or on the website with YouTube or, you know, <laughs> however all that works. Um, but we try to have that transparency and to say, look, this is how we do things. I think that's huge. And something where a lot of breeders fall short, myself included, I'm, I'm, it's very hard for me to keep up with social media because it's like another full-time job and breeders are, are, doing so many things. Um, I think you're setting a really good example with sharing those processes on social media because that is, um, for buyers, often that's the only way that they can receive any kind of proof of what you're doing with the puppies. Um, because many breeders, you know, I think it's great that you allow visitors. I wish I could do that. I don't allow visitors um, to my home. And so buyers really rely on my communication and they rely on the things that I share. Did not have the family structure that we have, I would not be able to do it. My oldest daughter runs all of my administrative. My other two daughters do all the social media. My son handles all of the, the physical <clears throat> upkeep of the kennels. When I say I play with puppies, I'm not entirely exaggerating. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. Situation, and I'm very blessed and thankful for it. That's really amazing. That that is so. It's truly a family affair. That's very it cool. So I am. Um, I'm going to ask you potentially a, a little bit of an un, uncomfortable question. Um, okay. So. There has been a lot of concern about some breeders taking advantage of the high demand for puppies during the pandemic, which we've already touched on. It, um, so there's been a lot of criticism towards breeders that started breeding during those two years, 2020 and 2021. Um, I'm curious how you respond to that criticism and if you've ever been personally criticized um, because of when you chose to start breeding. <laughs> so, um, yes, interesting question. Um, funny thing is locally, no one has ever said a word to me about it. The only place I have ever seen that, um, criticism is online Facebook groups and <laughs> it's always from the breeders. <laughs> um, and I have to say, I have found my people. Um, the Facebook groups that I'm in are very few. And they're, um, I think all of them are related either to Telltale or the midwifery. Um, they're just, they are good people and very, very helpful. Um, so having said that, um, I've never personally been attacked in person. Um, 
is the timing where I started questionable? Absolutely. Um, and I think you have to go to motive. I think you have to look at that. Um, is it wrong to make a profit from breeding your dogs? No. If you didn't, I, I honestly think you would burn out because there would be no tangible reward for what you're doing. Um, and that's a whole different conversation. But um, as far as um, my timing, it was very opportunistic. And I will be the first to admit that. Um, I did not see it as a get rich quick idea. Um, and I was not going to just do everything as cheaply as possible to turn over the highest profit possible. And I think that goes back to motive. Um, for me, this is a very long-term project. Um, am I brand new at it? Yes. Um, but I am in it for the long haul. And um, it's something that I hope to be able to pass down to my children if they so desire um, and is very much a family project, really. If one person hadn't had that get rich quick idea, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. I, I love I love everything you have said. And I, I want to touch on a couple of things that I um love in particular. First of all, I think that's a, a very cool um, outlook that if the if the people that you got your first dogs from hadn't been, <laughs> you know, potentially taking advantage of the the market at the time, then you would not have had the the opportunity. And I also want to call out that, you know, you did see opportunity there. It wasn't a money hungry. Right. Um, there was a the big difference. Yes, absolutely. For me, it was the opportunity as a package. Um, I love dogs, absolutely love dogs, always have. And like I had mentioned at the beginning, um, my husband and I had always loosely talked about breeding. So it was not a novel concept to us, um, but just the the opportunity basically got dumped in our laps, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, and the other thing that I find very encouraging and just very wise is that you surround yourself with the type of people and just the the energy that you feel you need to be successful you know facebook is a very toxic place and you are right um the criticism towards uh newer breeders that came in during or shortly after the pandemic is coming almost exclusively from facebook and almost exclusively from other breeders um, I think it's very wise of you and that you really made it uh, a focus of yours to surround yourself with with good, healthy people, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better word, um, supportive people that are running their breeding programs as businesses and as, you know, passion projects. You can do both and you can do it well. That's that's crucial. That's really, really important. And so you mentioned that most of the groups you're in are, you are in our Telltale Facebook group, which we're so happy to have you. We're loving um, that group. And then as you mentioned, you're in um, primarily uh, midwifery Facebook groups, which is the midwifery um, community is very encouraging. Um, professional is, is another word to describe that community. So hopefully some of the listeners will check those groups out. What are some things that you wish you knew before you decided to become a dog breeder? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, um, my beginning was unique and abrupt. Um, so I could say, I wish I knew anything before I started. <laughs> um, so I don't know, honestly, how to, how to, um, how to answer that briefly, other than to say, um, I was not prepared for what breeding would do for me as a person. Um, it has, it has really just changed me for the better, um, in, in a multitude of ways, um, being able to handle, you know, 30, 40 families, um, and, and keep everyone 
um, informed, supported, um, heard, you know, making sure that these people understand, I hear you, I'm here for you. Um, so the people aspect has been amazing. I absolutely love our puppy families. Um, the dogs, I, <laughs> I never would have thought that I would say, yeah, I've got five dogs at my house. <laughs> Um, I've always been a dog person, but we've only ever had one at a time. So um, it, I wish I had better understanding of um, facil facilitating all that for the animals. I've learned a lot and we've made a lot of adjustments um, and um, just how much you could get attached to five different dogs and they're all yours. And that's just part of your family. Um so I guess those are like my two main takeaways. Those are those are great takeaways, actually, um, because one that's not often called out is the the people that you that you deal with and that you bond with and that you commit to supporting for 10 to 15 years, however long those puppies are are going to live. And like you mentioned, it's now up to, you know, 40 or so families. Um, and I don't think a lot of breeders come into this business considering the level of support that they're going to be expected to give if they want to be identified as um, a, a breeder that that just that offers more. That's huge. Um, I hear a lot uh, from newer breeders that the um, the dogs in the house and and the number of dogs that you end up accruing over the years <laughs> is something that is not also not considered i didn't consider it and what i didn't consider when i started breeding was what am i going to do with these dogs when they're not breeding anymore because you you automatically assume well you're just going to keep them but that doesn't work <laughs> that no. doesn't work forever People that don't understand that we get just as attached to our five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dogs, however many dogs we have, we are just as attached to each and every one of them as any other pet owner is to their one or two dogs. So it's it's a huge consideration um, and something that new breeders should definitely consider before they they start breeding. Um, what advice do you have for other new breeders that are entering the market um, right now? Research, 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 learn everything. Um, surround yourself with the people that are going to help you, not hinder you. Um, and don't take criticism as hatred. Take it as a growing point um, and, and just be teachable, have a teachable spirit. Um, the old saying, you don't know what you don't know. Um, we don't, we don't know. And I very much place the success of my program on the people that I have surrounded myself with. Um, I can go into the breeders, uh, Facebook group. I can go in there and I can ask the stupidest question ever <laughs> knowing that, um, I will receive good counsel and nobody's going to beat me up because I didn't know it. And those are the people that you need in your life. Those are the people that you need to have as your mentors and your teachers. But when it comes to the heart of what I do, it's, it's all with you guys. That's, that's really, you all are the success of my breeding program. That really means a lot. Um, to us to hear it and I know it means a lot to G um, of midwifery to hear as well well I have really enjoyed our conversation very very much thank yes. you so much for being here and taking time out of your day thank you so much for having me I've enjoyed it all right y'all now we're going to chat with my friend Cecilia who just had her first litter all on her own so first of all can you tell us just a little bit um, about yourself and what your experience is with dogs in general and what your experience is with breeding dogs. So I grew up in a household that always had all kinds of animals. Um, my dad is a veterinarian and I was very involved since I could walk, basically. Um, I've been around 
uh, bred dogs and the breeding aspect and everything ever since I can remember. But I recently had my first litter on my own. And um, yeah, it's been quite the experience. I can't imagine yeah. it. It's been challenging enough as it is. So I can't imagine going this going into this experience completely blind. Tell us about your dog. So I have the female. My parents have the male. I have border collies. I've had border collies in the past. And we had a couple litters back then too, always with my parents. So I've always had their help, which I'm very thankful for. Um, and kind of had them to rely on and learn from. But Sage is two years old. I think she's pretty great. I might be biased. She's a little spoiled, but <laughs> that's cute. I think she's pretty great too. I've met her and I I really I really like her. So your dog is a border collie. She is a pet and a companion. What made you decide to breed her? My parents have the male at home. He is such a great dog. I think he's a perfect family dog. He's protective. He likes being at home. He likes being with you. Um, temperament wise, you sometimes hear they, um, they mature and they settle down a little bit. So uh, that's why I bred her. I think it's helped her. She's matured quite a bit. She's still goofy and playful and everything, but I do think she has settled down a little bit, have less of that young, headstrong mentality. So, right. So, again, your dad's a vet. Um, you grew up around all kinds of animals. And so you've seen dogs having puppies you've you'd seen dogs breeding much more of a general overview of the process than just your average person based on what you experienced before you had your own litter what was your idea of breeding and raising a litter in general like what did you what did you envision with her my concern was was she, was she going to know what she's doing or was instinct going to kick in for her not to need my, my help. Um, right. Money wise or investment wise, I will be honest. So I'm raising currently my puppies in an apartment, the puppy pads that it takes, the food that it takes, the shots, everything. Obviously, you know that that was coming, but once you see it all kind of come together, it still kind of shocks you. Um, I don't regret it yeah. at all. But it's of course. definitely uh, an experience in that sense. Right, right. It took me about seven years to become profitable enough that I could quit my day job and do this full time. took me seven years. Wow. And gosh, I didn't start breaking even for several years. Mm -hmm. Um, so prior to breaking even, I mean, you're just, in, you're just pouring money. You're just anything that you sell puppies for you're in, you're reinvesting back into your program. It's a labor of love. It's something mm -hmm. that you do because you're passionate about it. It's okay to be profitable. If you decide that that's what you want is to do this for a long time and be profitable, be prepared to put in the time and effort and yeah. money upfront investment. And you already, you already knew that. Um, and it was still eye-opening to you, the yeah. financial investment involved. And you're paying these costs before you sell puppies. And if there's an emergency, a medical emergency, where does that money come from? All things to consider. It's, it's a huge commitment. Will you, will you ever see it in return? Right. And is that okay with you? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Look, there's a all lot questions to ask. <laughs> exactly. I hope that people that are listening to this that are that are considering breeding maybe just once or twice or getting into this as a profession understand the value of having a network a community learning resources that you know you can trust a plan emergency plans access to information um, it's just all so important other than the experiences that you've already had I mean, did you do any research or planning before the puppies arrived? Like any of your own research, any of your own planning or anything like that? 
I'll be honest, I didn't didn't research very much. I obviously planned that they have their certain needs, but I should have, I could have done more research in the selling process previously in other litters that I had had. It was always a demand between family friends or friends of friends who, oh, you have puppies, I want one, or I want to see them and blah, blah, blah. But this one was the first one where I mentioned, oh, she's bred, she's going to have puppies, people were interested, and then they were here and changed their mind, which is fine, but I didn't look more into how hard it actually is to get them out there, to get them to find their homes. Um, You didn't do a ton of research, which I could identify with if I had a dad that was a veterinarian. I mean, I'm sure you probably leaned on him quite a bit um for information here and there and then of course we all learn as we go as well but i think it's interesting that that was one area that you looking back wish you had done more research on which is finding buyers honestly i think that that's probably something that nobody does research on when they're going into this i didn't do research on that when i started breeding um that is not something that i researched And if I could do it over or redo this process in the future, I would definitely do some things differently. Um, Just because I feel like I've learned from the process, I didn't expect it to be as hard as it has been. I have two left that still need. How old are they? They are 12 weeks tomorrow. They are good pups. They're smart. They know the basics, but being able to get them out there has been difficult. If anything, I would talk to more people like you who you have your business established and pick your brain more just so they don't stay as long as they do, just because they're at an age where they need to find the family that they're going to be with. Right, right. And, you know, it's, I'm not speaking for all breeders, but I am definitely speaking for myself and a lot of other breeders. We have all been there where we have puppies a lot longer than we would like to have them. They're young and this is, they're impressionable and they should be bonding with their new families. So I think something that you mentioned is interesting and that is that you wish you had talked to me or just another breeder. So in my personal case, I know I could have gone to you and I should have, but I didn't want to step on any toes because you are an established business. I guess that's the way I justify it in a sense. But like I said, if I ever do this again, I will definitely have more questions. I'm just really happy that you're sharing this because what I was thinking is that I don't want to send information your way unless you ask for it, because I don't want to come across as, you know, I'm trying to tell you what to do. We all have a know-it-all in our lives. And I, I didn't want to be that person for you, but I am not the type that's just gonna offer my opinion without being asked out of respect. And if I could recommend anything is definitely speak up, speak, talk to people that you trust. Um, because you might not agree with everyone's opinions, but if they're telling you, it's because they've gone through the experience. If I needed any questions answered, the first thing I would do is call my dad. So in your case, your biggest resource was your dad. If I didn't have my dad and I was doing this for the very first time, I would probably just, I would have asked more questions, honestly, to breeders themselves. But I will say I rely heavily on my dad because of the experience from breeding dogs to breeding cattle to horses. I personally believe it's a good call out that you grew up around other animals too and breeding other animals. You know, it's just different when you've never experienced animals mating. You've never experienced animals giving birth. You've never experienced baby animals and raising them and what it's like, you know, Um, it's really easy to picture a whole bunch of really cute little baby animals running around, but that's a very, very small piece of the whole picture and growing up in an environment where you've seen that even when it's other species or experienced it with other species. Um, that is a huge, it's a huge leg up 
just the whole birthing process in itself. And it's quite the sight. What happens a lot in these groups is you'll have people posting wanting information while the dog is giving birth. It's very selfish. I mean, you're just putting your animals at risk. Let's break it down. Is it really worth it to not research or to not know exactly what's going to happen? You know, I think there's a large portion of people that decide to breed their dog for fun that never consider the fact that their dog could die or that all the puppies could die or that something could happen. As morbid as it sounds, it's better to be prepared than not be prepared and completely be shattered. If you have a family and your kids are involved, you don't want to put your kids through that either. You always have to weigh the pros and cons and consider Mm -hmm. the risks involved in what you're doing. Different things happen. You could never, you would never fathom that um, your two dogs that are best friends, one of them might kill the other dog's puppies. It Mm -hmm. happens. It's real. And it has nothing to do with the dogs not liking each other. At the end of the day, they're animals. And sometimes they do things that we don't understand. Yes, they may be your pets and and you love them, but they are animals and you don't know what's going to happen. What advice do you have for someone else that has a pet that they want to breed Um, understanding that we don't know the reason that they want to breed their pet. I would say more often than not, the reasoning has more to do with the people wanting the experience of having puppies. What would your advice be for those people that are going into this with um, potentially no experience? Again, I didn't do as much research as I should have, and I will definitely be better about that in the future. But do the research. If you have no experience with animals and the breeding process and all that stuff you need to know what's going to happen and what it's going to look like so you can help your pet as best as you can so that you don't put your pet in danger you don't know how your female is going to react you don't know if her instincts are going to kick in if she knows what she's doing you need to be mentally prepared if worst case scenario You have to do everything. You have to make this litter survive because then it's not fair to them. You don't know what's going to happen until it's happening. So I think the best thing you can do is be prepared and do the research, read the horror stories or listen to the horror stories just because they can be helpful to you or to someone else in the future. Do you, do you think you're going to do this again? Do you think you're going to breed Sage again or any other dog in the future? I would like to. Yes. Um, I don't know how soon, maybe one more. We'll see. (laughs) Thank you for joining me for another episode of the breeder tales. If you're a new breeder and are looking for education, community, and support, please visit telltale.com. That's www.tellltail.com. We offer free learning resources to both dog breeders and pet buyers. We also offer a subscription for dog breeders. Telltale certifies breeders and provides them with unlimited buyer leads. A lead generation service for breeders. Y'all, how cool is that? Use code PODCAST50 for $50 off your one-time membership fee. That's PODCAST50, all lowercase, no spaces, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-5-0. Join our Facebook group, Dog Breeders of North America, where you will find a supportive, diverse, and passionate community. I'll see you there, right? (laughs) See you all next time.